Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, it doesn't really matter what's going on on the outside. It matters what's going on in the inside. Because he'll allow you to cope with the outside when you learn to make him the, the chief in the inside. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we invoke your presence here today. Looking forward to hearing from heaven as to what you will have to say to us in order for us to become the stewards and the lover of your soul. God, it's, it's time for the body of Christ to rise up and, and recognize who you are and whose we are so that we can become that. And not just by name only, but by action. So I pray, Lord, that you will open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us this day in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for revealing to me the things you would have us to know out of your word this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The, the uh, subject matter, we're in Titus chapter 3. I must read these three devotionals because it fits right in line with the, and the thing of it is, is I did, I did my prayer always before, but I didn't do this devotional thing until afterwards. And I'm like, oh, I got to share this because it's right in line and faith cometh. So we can't hear enough of the same thing until our faith cometh, right? Okay. So in uh, one of my devotional books, it says this. The scripture that they're using to support their devotion is 1 John 4, 7, and it's coming out of the NIV. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone that love has been born of God. Now, that's a key phrase that we need to really be focusing on. Because if you haven't been born of God, you do not know how to love. Amen. He says, I was in the doctor's waiting room when a young man came in. After being greeted by the receptionist, he sat by me. His clothing, a factory uniform, was dirty and he smelled of hard work. I smiled but wish he had sat somewhere else. After a moment, I recognized something familiar in his scent. It was the odor my father had when he came home from work at a similar factory. My father was a faithful Christian. Perhaps this young man was a Christian. Maybe he loved to hug and kiss his children like my father did me. I was ashamed for judging my seat man negatively. I had forgotten the teachings of the good news Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God loves us all and shares life with us all. Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected because God sent his son into the world in the ultimate act of love. In Christ, no matter who we are or what we do, we are to care for and love one another as we love God and are loved by God. So his prayer was, dear God, help us try to love everyone who meets as you, we meet, I'm sorry, as you love us. Amen. Now, 
and our regular word for today devotional, in case you didn't read it. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. It says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And it comes out of Proverbs 11:3. It says, strive for integrity. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 19, 19. But in order to love yourself, you must first be able to respect yourself. See, this is where we have the problem. But because you're always doing things that you crave for and desire out of a broken emotion, you think you love yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. And self-respect is based on personal integrity. Arthur Ted X. Strong tells the following story in his book called Integrity. For Coach Cleveland Strahd and the Bulldogs of Rockdale County High School, Conyers, Georgia, it was their championship season. 21 wins and five losses on the way to the Georgia Boys basketball tournament last March, then a dramatic come from behind victory in the state finals. But now the new glass trophy came outside of the high school gymnasium. Gymnasium is bare. Early this month, the Georgia High School Associate, Association deprived Rockdale County of the championship after school officials said that a player who was scholastically ineligible had played 45 seconds in the first of the school's five postseason games. We didn't know he was ineligible at the time. We didn't know it until a few weeks ago. Coach Strahd said, some people have said we should have just kept quiet about it, that it was just 45 seconds, and the player wasn't an impact player. So, you know, why worry about it? But you got to do what's honest and right and what the rules say. I told my team that people forget the scores of basketball games. They don't ever forget what you're made of. Every honest or dishonest word and action either adds to or takes away from your character. That's what the Bible means when it says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So today, strive for integrity in all of your dealings. Now, again, I didn't read this until after I completed my study, in case you hear some repeated stuff. As, but as I was reading that, and, and, and these players is from Georgia, I thought about uh, Herschel Walker. I thought about him because um, when I was sharing uh, the interview that he had and how blessed and everything was with uh, some other uh, uh, sisters and brothers in Christ and of the same culture. I, I, I was so surprised. Oh, they were against him because he's a Republican and because he stood for Trump. So they oust him and didn't want to hear anything about what was said. You know what? That is hypocrisy. And you know why? Because we cry out and complain about the white man and prejudice 
and you go against your own kind because they make a choice different from yours. That's hypocrisy. Amen? And I was very, very disappointed because the, uh, the couple people that actually did that were, were men who are educated and I thought so highly of. And i like, wow, I can't believe that. That has nothing to do with this man's character. And he displayed that in the interview that he was sharing and what he was standing for and fighting for. And you take that, that, that position and dis discredit all of his accomplishments, and then we want to complain about the other people? That's the same as when, you, you know, um, a young couple, this has been some years ago, um, had, a, had a disagreement, and then when people came over, the, the, the male was, was acting just like there had not been a disagreement at all. You know, in front of company, he was very, you know, polite like he would normally be, and she thought, you're just being a hypocrite. And I said, that's not hypocritical. You don't air out your dirty laundry before other people. Um, so he's upset with you, so he's supposed to act like that in front of company? That's a hypocrite, if you ask me. He's, you don't let other people know what was going on, so you act very nice and congenial and everything else, and then after they leave, if y'all want to go back to that old mess and start fighting and arguing again, so be it. But don't do it around the guests and call a person a hypocrite because they have enough sense not to air that out and show it to other people to intervene, have negative thoughts, and say some things about your relationship. Seize the moment. <laughs> Titus 3, and we're going to go from verses 1 through 7. That's as far as we're going to get with, with this today. And it says, um, well, my title is Justification by God's Grace. And Titus 3, verses 1 through 7. Okay. So um, it reads, put them in mind to be subject to principalities, another word for rulers, and powers, another word for authorities, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers. Okay, and so an, uh, another word for that is not to be contentious. But gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, <laughs> but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that verse 5 is very, very powerful. I can't hardly finish this. I'm going to read that one again. It bears hearing not by works of righteousness, which we have done. In other words, you can't even be righteous. So there's nothing righteous that you have done to warrant uh, thinking that you are worthy. But according to his mercy, 
Mercy means his pity upon us, that he saved us by the washing of regeneration, by cleansing us from all of our sins and then placing his righteousness upon us and renewing of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost coming in us to renew us to be the newborn creatures we become by faith. Amen. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. There are no limits. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, there is no limit to the grace and mercy we can receive from the Lord God, our Savior. Amen. That being justified by his grace, hallelujah, Jesus. We didn't have to pay the court we didn't have to go to prison. We didn't have to pay any dues. He paid it all to make us justified. Hallelujah. That's why he says, be quick to confess and to repent and turn. The price has already been paid. Hallelujah. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Glory. Hallelujah. Okay, all right, now let's go back to verse 1 when he says, put them in mind to be subject to the rulers and the, and the authorities of the, uh, of the uh, magistrates. It's talking about governmental offices, okay? So wh why would we do that? It's because the Lord set up the ordinance of our government based on the Ten Commandments. The ordinances of our country is based on the Ten Commandments, which is the original ordinances of the Lord, okay? And they were instituted in order for there be uh, order and control and that the things are operating and running properly, okay? Now, if these rulers go against God's moral laws, we are not subjected to it, but we do not commit crimes of speaking evil against them. We do a peaceful protest with letters, calls, prayers, and as the body of Christ and unity under God, which means if we, the body of Christ, were in unity concerning our understanding and belief of God's word, we could stand together on God's truth and appeal to the higher, and a difference would happen, okay? But the problem is the body is divided by man's opinion. We're not to be divided by opinion. We are to be divided by truth and lies. So we're not concerning about what God's word has to say concerning life. We're only concerned about what is the government saying concerning life. Amen. Now, um, it says, for us not to speak evil of no man, to be brawlers, and, but be gentle, showing meekness. And so uh, we, we have to be careful about how we respond and how we react to things that are going on that affect us, okay? 
you don't accept wrong, but you do not condemn or destroy in order to get your point over. Because that's not what Jesus did. Remember? He, he was pronounced guilty when he was innocent. He, he was abused, tortured. Everything that could be done was done to him, and he didn't even defend his nature. Amen? Now, that shows us that because our Lord, our Savior, our teacher was able to do it, that through the power of his spirit in us, we are able to overcome and do, and do the same thing. And it won't be through our own ability. It won't be through our power or our might, but it will be totally through his spirit. But the thing of it is we have to learn to submit to his spirit. Okay? Now, there was a time and that's what verse 3 is saying, that we were the same, okay? We were foolish, disobedient, deceptive, diverse kinds of lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating other people. There was once a time that these things uh, applied to us. But now I'm speaking by faith. <laughs> okay? You examine your own soul. Was that once upon a time? Or is that presently operating? Okay? But after salvation, we were redeemed from our lost condition. So don't say, I can't help it. It's just who I am. Well, then obviously you don't know who you are. Because if you have invited Jesus Christ to live in you, that's operating out of those kind of sinful error ways. It's not supposed to be who you are. It's just what you are still struggling with that you need to recognize you need to come up out of it. Because you do not identify or represent who you say you are called by okay because that that cross in the blood of Jesus has transformed you translated you taking you out of darkness and putting you in the light of Jesus Christ and even though we may reflect and go back we can come out immediately and so because God have, have, have ravished us with all of his wonderful grace, now it is expected out of us to exercise grace with others. Okay? Let's, let, let's go over to Romans um, chapter 13. And when, and when we're reading the Bible, we need to learn to rightly divide the word of God. Okay? Romans 13, and I'm going to uh, uh, read, well, okay, what I'll do is read 3 and 4 that represents this, but then I'm going to go back and read 1 through 7. 
three and four that, that represents what is expected out of us in concerning leadership. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. So in other words, the laws that are set up in our, in, in, in our country are not for uh, evil to control, but is to keep us safe, just like traffic law. We think we have a right to make a decision whether I'm going to stop at the stop sign or go through the light because there's no traffic coming. Or drive above the speed limit as long as I don't get caught. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power or the authority? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So you don't have to fret about these laws when you are moved and guided by the love of God because you just automatically want to do what's right. Okay? For he is the minister of God to thee for good. So these people who are put in these offices, including police officers, are ministers of God to work the good. Okay? But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, which, which is the word, which is the thing that controls us. For he is the, for he is the minister of God. He... They don't know it, but you as a believer, you know it. So it doesn't matter about what they don't know. What matters is what you know, because we are going to be judged on what we know and how we handled and managed his word on this side of heaven. Not about, don't say, well, if they hadn't. Okay. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So, okay. Um. I'm going to go back and read one up to seven, and then I'm going to read you my commentary, okay? Verse one says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for, for there is no power but of God. Hallelujah. The powers that be are ordained of God. So he's talking about the authority, the governing authority is all set up by God. We put the people in the office. There's nothing wrong with the offices. It has a lot to do with the people who are sitting in those offices and who we have the privilege of voting them in or setting up organizations that make a decision. Aren't you happy? Not one, it's not a one-person control. There are groups of people who are making decisions on who's going to sit in certain positions and places. Amen. So when we get people in certain positions, then uh, it's based on our choices, but also they can be removed based on our coming together and presenting it to a higher court because we can take people to the Supreme Court of Justice and have them removed. Okay, um, verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisted the, the authority resisted the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You reap what you sow. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the authority? 
Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. You don't have to worry about the repercussions. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bear not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject. It is important that you be subjected not only for the, the consequences that's going to come for the wrath, but also for your conscience sake. That's worse than the consequences because you got to live with you. And sometimes we are struggling in life and having some inner struggles because of our own nature, not because of what someone else has done, but it's because of who we are. And we have not learned how to be truthful inwardly with ourselves and allow God to show us some truth that will bring a change or also help to equip you to handle what comes against you that cannot destroy you unless you allow it with your mind. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, let me read my commentary because it's just, it's, it's just spot on. It says... The purpose of human government is to uphold the good and punish the evil. Right and wrong is determined by the state. The Christian citizen is to fear and obey the government as long as the government does not demand citizens to violate God's word. Governmental officials hold office by virtue of God's appointment and are primarily the servants of God in their offices. See, the good news is here in the United States of America, everything that was founded in the Constitution was founded on religious or spiritual precepts. That's why we have that opportunity to take a stand for what's right and go against what's wrong. But how much is God going to do for us when we purposely, intentionally put wrong people in office for greedy reasons? He'll do us just like he did the Israels. I'm going to give you what you asked for. The political leaders is to actively uphold the good. The sword is a symbol representing the authority given to government to protect its citizens by punishing those who do what it has determined is wrong. It is important for Christians to be actively involved in government so that the government's values are consistent with the word of God. If we were founded on those kinds of foundations, then why do we step out and bow out of the government and politics like it is something totally contrary to everything else that we say we profess and we believe in Jesus Christ? It is our life. Why do you think it was founded in, um, and based on biblical principles? Because we have to be governed according to the kingdom of heaven. And until we, his believers, his 
warriors wake up and begin to fight the good fight of faith and stand for what is righteous, morally correct, not what is politically correct. Nothing is going to change. We need to understand the difference between being a warrior and a fighter. We are on the battlefield all the time. Why? Because light and dark cannot mix. Truth and lies do not mix. We stand for a higher kingdom. Once you come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you're no longer like the world. You've come into a new kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. You've been given keys to that kingdom to operate it here on earth to Jesus returns. Amen. Okay. So that means you are warring, battling all the time, except for when he gives us the reprieve in order to restore us to go back out to battle again. All right. We were having a conversation about how things go and how fear is implemented to control us. And, and yes, no one is exempt to that fear, but you have to learn how to battle it so it does not overtake you. It is natural for you to have the first response of fear, but it is not natural for you to flow, operate in that fear. So once you recognize that it is there, now you do battle on it in you so that you don't become overcome by the power of fear because that's the whole intent. If we, if we are overcome and live in this fear, then they can control and, and, and run us the way they want to where it will benefit them politically and financially. Okay? So what is the difference between a fighter and a warrior? Well, a warrior knows that they're on the battlefield. And they're warring continuously, but they're using the strategy of the kingdom of God, not their intellect. A fighter chooses what battles they want to fight, and outside of that, they're not fighting. So you lose. So you lose. But if you are a warrior, you're on the battlefield, you're standing for the same thing regardless. No matter what happens, you're standing. That is called consistency. And consistency destroys the spirit of darkness and releases the kingdom of God from heaven to come down on our behalf. It releases kingdom power. Consistency releases kingdom power and destroys the gates of hell. That's why the enemy have us flip-flopping back and forth because he does not want God's glory to shine. And when we are consistent with what God has to say, God is glorified by our behavior. Satan is horrified by our behavior. Others are edified by our behavior. And we are sanctified by our behavior. Let's go back to Titus. And a born-again nature, sold out for the cause of Jesus, you are conscious and you are right away convicted of any thought or action before or after that it violates 
so that now you have become a lover of the Lord. And you are the one true nature of who he says that you are. You cannot, you cannot operate contrary to that and call yourself a child of God. There is no way you can comfortably and peacefully indulge in thoughts or actions of such without confessing and repenting until you become so susceptible to the Spirit of God of which you immediately stop, confess, and repent. That comes from a practice. Okay? All right. You cannot flow and daily walk and indulge in thoughts of actions that go against who God say he is and who you are without immediately confessing and repenting when it comes to your awareness. Now, there is a time coming by practicing this that you will be so susceptible to the Spirit of God that you will immediately say, mm, stop, confess, and repent. That means turn from. The bottom line is you do not revel in the rowdiness and malice of becoming, of an unbecoming behavior with no afterthought or, or able to walk in peace after that as if you are right. You see, when we are wrong, but, but we're just going to stand on the fact that we are right anyway, you know who's motivating your thoughts? That liar called Satan. And you'll stand on it. Well, this is just how I feel. Do you realize that the spirit of the living God cannot dwell in uncleanliness? That means if you're, if you're standing on that, he is not dwelling in you. Okay? You're, you will be convicted immediately, and it will drive you to change. As well as confession to God and prayerfully to the people you have wounded. So instead of you uh, 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 making these little statements that, well, it's just how I feel. Oh, well. You can't change my mind. That's a narrow-minded thought, actually. I don't care whether you're born again or not. <laughs> That's a narrow-minded statement. Well, you, you can't change my mind. This is just how I feel, and I'm standing on this. <laughs> okay. We need to stop taking those kinds of stands as born-again believers. Now, from the world, that's expected, okay? And what we need to begin to say is, help me, Jesus. Help me to change. You can say, I feel that I'm right, but not actually take a stand against whatever somebody else is saying. And ask them, to ask God to reveal his wisdom to you and the understanding about what this thing is about so you can make a righteous decision. 
I do not know, but I'm willing to listen and let God advise me in the truth. Amen. Um, let's go over to James chapter 1. Because when we take those other stands, we're saying, I'm far more intelligent than you are, Lord. And there's nothing you or anyone else can say to change this. As if you made yourself. James 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, if we went back to verses 2 up to 7, it, 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 it is, is talking about operating in wisdom. And it's talking about operating in wisdom, and you're seeking wisdom for the position or the situation that you're in at that time. That there are situations and positions that you, you will get in that you need to ask God for his wisdom and not just go along with what you think. This is what, this is what James is talking about. And so that's why he climaxes it with, with seven and, and, and eight to uh, let not a man think he should receive anything of the Lord. In other words, you have put yourself in a position, or you position yourself to believe what you want to believe. You have not inquired from God. You're not seeking God for any wisdom. But what you believe in, you're expecting God to come through and bless you in that area. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Because you're double-minded. See, you want to stand with me for a portion, and then you're standing over here for the other portion. And you think I'm going to come through for you? I can't even trust you. Because since you are on this seesaw, then... I can't trust you to stand for anything because you'll fall for everything. <laughs> if it sounds good, then it is good. If it looks good, and that's for me, you don't examine anything to find out if it's right. All things are lawful, but they're not all expedient. And we need to learn to weigh, to discern through the wisdom of God before we operate and make decisions. And especially before you speak out what somebody else has said that sound good. But you haven't examined the validity of it. You don't know how much truth is prevailing in it. Amen? So... Oh, uh, back to Titus, <laughs> Titus 3, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to climax verses 5 through 7 when he says, you know, this isn't done by your righteousness, but it's done according to the mercy that God exercised when he saved you and by the cleansing of all unrighteousness so he can put on his righteousness on you. And, and, and the good news is, hallelujah, Jesus, that that righteousness of God that's put on you can be renewed often by the Holy Spirit. 
He comes to renew, to refresh, to restore. So you're not fighting and dwelling on yesterday's stuff or even this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. He says, um, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified, acquitted, <laughs> glory, hallelujah, Jesus, declared right in spite of that we are sinners saved by grace, in spite of that we should have been on the cross and not him. See, this kind of stuff, you should be rejoicing. You aren't right. You ain't here because of you and your goodness. It's by the grace and mercy of God. And, and every day we get a new chance to get it right, to become better. Hallelujah, Jesus. We make mistakes. We sin. But we get an opportunity by being humble enough to say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And he cleanses us again and lift us up and dress us in his righteousness and say, go forth again, 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 and again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Since we have freely been given the gift of grace, so freely should we give it to others. Now let's go over to Luke, Luke 6. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climax in Luke 6, the chapter in Luke 6. Okay, and we're going to begin with verse 27. And... Luke is, 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 well, Jesus is actually speaking, but is on the teaching of the treatment of others, okay? So when he says, 27, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Well, why did he have to say that? Because all of us, born again, spirit-filled, are not going to do that, okay? Why? Because not all of us are going to want to hear. We refuse to hear because you already have your mind made up. Yes is hard in your flesh, in your fickle emotions that change like the weather here, like here lately. One day, it's a winter wonderland. The next day is the beginning of spring. Another day is the beginning of autumn. That's just how our emotions operate, okay? But when you make up your mind, it's through you, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Because it's only by the faith of God and, and of, of our faith in God. And this is the only faith. Christianity is the only religion that teaches this precept and can enable a person to do it. You, there is no other religion under the S-O-N or the S-U-N <laughs> that preaches this precept and can even equip you to do it. Amen? Verse 28, bless them that curse you 
and pray for them which despitefully use you. Pray for them to see God's way. That's what you're praying. See, I know what you're saying. I, I don't know if I want them blessed. Yeah, you do. You want them free so that you can live freer. <laughs> so pray for them to be used by God and to open up their hearts to see God's way. Amen? See, we, 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 all we want, fix them, Lord. What, what do that mean? Biblically, what does that mean? That's praying amiss. God, transform them. Open up their eyes to see who you are and who they can be in you and all that you have done for them. Give them the knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ. Learn how to pray effectual, fervent prayers. And unto him that smited thee on the one cheek, offer, us, offer also the other and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak, coat also. This is not literal. <laughs> you know, so don't, don't get up in somebody's face and they slap you on one side and you turn it to the other. We're, you know, literally, we're not talking. This, this is a statement that's telling you, do not seek revenge. That's what it means. Do not seek revenge, Okay. Because uh, if you read, some people didn't take no stuff, including Jesus when he went into that temple and turned them tables over and called them people all kinds of names. And you're like, it's, 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 not, it's not godly. Well, you need to read your Bible to find out there are times when you take measures to awaken dead, walking dead folks whose mind has been dulled to the truth. Verse 30, give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Okay. To those who are truly in need, not to slothful people. <laughs> okay. To those who are truly in need. Because all you're doing is putting a crutch and crippling those others who are always there with a hand out and don't want to do anything. There are times when people who get in a real need and you we need to help them. But slothful people who don't want to work, don't want to improve, don't, all they want you to do is continuously hand out. That's not what this verse is talking about. You don't feed them. What well, Jesus said, you don't give... I won't give the crumbs to the dogs. Okay, verse 31. And as you would that men sh should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Well, that is uh, self-explanatory. But actually, when Jesus was speaking this, he was also speaking what had been put in the law in Leviticus. And, and as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise? That was in the Levitical law, and you will find that in Leviticus 19, 18. You can look that up on your own. 32, for if you love them which love you, what think have you for sinners also love those that love them? <laughs> 
glory. You know, it don't take no faith or obedience to love those who love you and demonstrate that love. It takes faith and obedience to love those who don't act like they love you, even though some of them say they love you, but their action speaks totally opposite of that. Because what we, we, we reap what we sow. So when you demonstrate it, if you don't reap it from that person, it's okay. You're going to reap. You can't sow anything and not reap the consequences of what you sow. And that could be good consequences or bad consequences. Amen. Okay. Um, 34. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thanks have you? If, if you lend some money to somebody and you are expecting the return, or better yet, I'm not talking about lending companies, but you lend somebody some money and it, they're in a need, they're in a dire situation and they need to borrow. So they need to get into your debt and then you're going to actually charge interest on that. He says, you don't have to be thanked. You've already received your reward. You're not doing anything out of a, out of a, a, a Christian position. He says, for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. People in the world sometimes operating godly principles or precepts, they don't even know it, but they're going to get the same benefit because God is no respecter of person. Amen? So we have to demonstrate the ways of the Lord. And if you lend to them of whom you Hope to receive what thank have you for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as, as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, because you're doing it out of the love of Christ, not for self-gain. And your reward should be great, and you should be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now, um, let me go to some other scriptures. First of all, let's go over to Proverbs 19, and we're going to read what Solomon had to say. Proverbs 19, 17. And this is what Solomon is saying. He that hath pity upon the poor leneth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. You cannot be God's giving. So when you give out, you don't have to think you've been duped or misused. You can't do anything out of a good, pure conscience and right that God does not give it back to you greater than what you've given out. Okay? And, um, um, and, and, and I'm going to, um, oh, okay, also, in Matthew 5, 7, all you all are familiar with the Beatitudes. Okay, so let's go over there for a quick second. Matthew 5, 7. 
And y'all remember, all the stuff we're reading and read is coming from Jesus. So it behooves you to try to <laughs> follow it, okay? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You can't get what you don't give out. Amen? Now, let's go over to... There, you, you've heard that scripture about give and it shall be given to you. Okay, that's, that's not about money. Although the churches use it every time they get ready to take up tithes and offering. I don't know why. It has nothing to do with money. Um, it, it is all about love. Because he's actually, the Lord is actually talking about uh, the treatment of other folks. And he says it, and, and, and he's talking about love and judgment. And so when you give according to what he has to say, even though you feel like you're not profiting anything, he's, he says that don't even worry about it. Don't fret about it because it shall be given unto you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 6, 37 to 38. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Okay, let me read that again, because just those little points, then we won't even get to the receiving thing. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, Shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you measured with all, it shall be measured to you again. This is not about money. This is about love and forgiveness. And when you give it out, you will give it, receive it back greater than what you've given out. Amen. That's the principle that we really need to hold on to and stop holding on to unforgiveness and, and not wanting to share and taking a position. I worked, and, 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 and so they, if they need it, they're going to have to work for it. You know, sometimes those are open doors for you to minister God's truth to them because if they're dependent on you, now they also are obligated to listen to what you have to say. So take advantage of that opportunity or why you give it and, and, and begin to give them some hope in Jesus Christ and tell them about how he can change their whole situation and put them on their feet where they'll be doing good and they'll be able to do for others just like I'm doing for you right now. We profit far more doing it God's way than our way. Oh, and when we do it God's way rather than the world's way, both the offender and the forgivers are all blessed. Everybody's blessed in the mix, okay? Because a small beginning of changing can change the world. It takes small little bits and pieces to bring the change. Just imagine... If we, the whole body of Christ, faithfully obeyed God's word, 
the world would change for the good. Let's begin in our own homes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I, I, I'm going to do this closing prayer, and then we'll open up for questions and answers, because I'm telling you everything in the devotional was applying to this. And, you know, I usually open up with this prayer, but I'm like, no, this is a closer. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I'm going to do this little closing prayer, uh, and I'll do the normal benediction afterwards and the, the 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 scripture verse that supports it is coming out of john 14 21 he that have my commandments and keepeth them loveth me <laughs> most gracious god almighty all wise all loving our heavenly father we rejoice that thou hast called us to be thy children we confess before thee that we are indeed like little children with all of their weakness and imperfection, but without their humility, purity, teachableness, and truthfulness. Cleanse us from our sins. Grant us joy and peace in believing in thee. May we have the love that believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. In our home, in our daily work and recreation, and in all of our relations to others, make us strong and steadfast to do the right and shun the wrong. Bless us that we may become a blessing to others. Remember, we beseech thee, all classes and conditions of men, the sick, the sorrowful, the poor and needy, the widows and orphans, the little children with their sweet faith and childlike joys, the young and vigorous, bearing the responsibilities of life, bless the missionaries at home and abroad. Be pleased to make thyself known in the labors of the faithful pastors and teachers, and let thy truth and righteousness govern the nations of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful prayer? Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Traveling mercies as you depart from this place. And remember tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.